0: Let's open our Bibles, First John chapter three. And I uh, just wanted to mention as well about CareNet Rhode Island. They have got a new facility. They're they're still kind of trying to finish the build out in that, and uh, it's very exciting. It's like a permanent place for them in Providence. And it's wonderful, and we support them on a monthly basis. But uh, you know they were they're short on their build out. Of course, these things always go a little higher than expected so but we were able to send them a, a, a nice gift on top of that to help them with that. So I want you to know that because that's, you know, that's your giving that makes that possible and uh, that we can help them. I mean, it's in the news now, obviously, about, uh, you know, abortion, but uh, I've been reading in Psalm 139 lately, and, and uh, all you have to do is read that one time and you'll know that you know, abortion is not a good thing. It's it's taking the life of a of a person, a baby, a, a life. And so, First John chapter three, we're going <clears> to <throat> jump in, but we're only going to really do the first verse today because I think I just want to focus on that and look at that. Uh, but uh, last time we looked at this idea about abiding in in this concept of abiding, to, to remain, to stay, to continue, that, that we have a choice to make, you know, where, where and how we spend our lives. Do we spend that time abiding in Him, staying in Him, spending time with Him in His Word and, and getting His Word into us and that we would be in Him and God uh, would be in us as we receive Jesus Christ? We'll talk more about that later. Uh, but we have choices to make, and, and uh, it's incredible. Look back uh, chapter 2 there in verse uh, 28. He says, And now, dear children, continue in him or abide in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. He talks about the return of Jesus, and Jesus is coming back. And I think we need to keep that in mind. It's something that keeps coming up over and over again, and that you and I need to know that. And and will it affect, it should affect how we live, the choices we make in our lives today, I think. So, chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, what manner of love. You know, I don't know about you, but I remember the old choruses, and, and I'm old enough to, some of you are not old enough to even remember these, but there was, you know, they would take, just take Scripture and put music to them, right? And, and I never forget, I'll never forget those verses that I've heard. How many of you remember this one? Some of you. How does it go? Sing it for me. <laughs> You're going to make me sing it? I don't know how to sing. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the sons of God. That we should be called the sons of God. Isn't that wonderful? You'll Never forget that. And that's the way kind of these scripture courses did. Uh, one of my friends in San Diego sent me a, a CD. They, they put together a lot of the old uh, scripture courses, on, you know, all together on one CD. And I've just been listening to it uh, in my car and, and uh, just bringing me right back. And those scriptures, I, I know every word. I know those verses by heart because of that, because of that music. Music is very powerful for good and for bad. Anyways, 1 John chapter 3, that's, you know, when I look at these, this verse here, that, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is that, that verse. In the New King James, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. And then the NIV says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I mean, that someone, someone I was reading, you know, different people write about, they, they said in this particular verse there's a, a chapter in every word. I mean, you could go and, and talk about this for weeks and weeks, and I think that is certainly true. But we're just going to take one week to kind of focus in on it because actually the, the, the first word behold there, that's what it, 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 it literally means to stare at to look at it intensely, to see what's there, and to experience what's there. And that's what he's saying. Behold, would you look at this? Would you pay attention to this, that, that God loves you, that, the type of love? How much does he really love you? I wonder, you know, do we really know it? Oh, we sing about it, you know. And then, you know, as kids, what's the, what's the song that comes to mind as kids? What's the first kind of song, Christian song, that you learn as a kid? Jesus loves me, this I know. You're not going to make me sing that one again, too. <laughs> Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And, and, but, you know, we know that kind of up here, but do we really know it? Do we really know it? Do we, do we, do we sense that, you know, have we looked at it? Have we really thought about this? I think, I think sometimes, for some of us anyways, it's like God loves me, and it's a question mark at the end, right? Do you know what I'm saying? None of you are like that. That's just me. We really wonder, how could God love me? You see, we know ourselves. But, but the truth of the matter is that God knows you even better than you do. And it says, the Bible tells me so, that he loves you. Behold, look at it. What manner of love that the Father has given unto us. Now, if we want to step back and say, well, you know, is it because I'm so special? God loves me because I am so special. I am so good looking. Is it because I, you know, I'm so spiritual? I, I'm so, you know, all these things. I'm so faithful. I've done all this stuff. I give a lot of money. God must love me. Does it have anything to do with any of that stuff? You see, that's why there's no question mark at the end because it's not based on stuff that we have done, or who we are, or what we will do, or or, you know, God sees what we will become, and so He loves us because of that. He just loves us. He just loves you. You can take that one to the bank and and uh, you know see if they'll give you any money. They probably won't, but. You can take that to the bank that God loves you. And if you, if you leave with anything, I want you to know those words that God loves you. And, and we got to get rid of those question marks, you know. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, it speaks about God's love for Israel. And he says, you know what, he didn't set his love on you because you were so many, because you were just a piddly group of people. But he set set his love on you because he decided to, he wanted to. It was his plan, it was his purpose. Romans chapter 5, it says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we were, we were rotten, wretched sinners. We, re- we sang that new song today, I, I was a wretch. You know, uh, that's what we are, that's, that's who we were. But he loved us anyways. God demonstrates, he shows what his love was, that he died for us. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. He didn't say, well, you, if you get yourself together, then I'm going to send Jesus, my son, to die for you. That's backwards, Right? He said, I love you and I'm going to send my son to you. This is what 1 John chapter 4, look at it, look ahead there to chapter 4 verse 10, it says it, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, propitiation, to pay the price for our sins. See, that's what love is, not that we loved him. He says, well, you love me so much, I guess I'm going to love you back. That's backwards again. He loves us so much. Who, who loves first? What does the Bible tell us? We love him because he first loved us. That's what, that's what it's all about. Again, I, I struggle with this, and I think many of us do, but, but we, we need to get past that and understand. That's why we sang this song today. It's not, it doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I see. It's all about your promises and your word, what your word says. God Loves you. Can you say that? God loves me? I mean, can you say it and really mean it? Not like God loves me with a question mark. God loves me. God loves me. Not because of anything, you know, in me or about me or anything else. God loves me. How great it is. Behold what manner of love. Behold, how great it is. How great is that love that the Father has lavished on us. How great is it? We sang that today. How great, how great is your love? You see, it's this this love that really kind of passes our understanding, doesn't it? There's a lot of things that the Bible says that that go beyond our understanding, the peace that passes understanding, the love that goes beyond what we can fathom. Warren Wearsby says it's, it's... that foreign kind or out-of-this-world kind of love. And that's what we're talking about today. Paul the Apostle, you know, we, we know that he was an incredible, incredible, you know, thinker. He was an incredible theologian, wasn't he? Yes? yes. No? Maybe? Okay, let's, let's, come on, let's join in here today. We're, we're hearing this together. He was an incredible theologian and thinker, but he had a heart for the love of God. It was like that's what destroyed him. When, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, uh, what was he doing? He was persecuting Christians. He was, he was pouring out hate against Christians. He was not doing something good. And Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and his, his heart was completely changed. His life was completely changed. Why? Because he had this encounter with the love of God, that God loved him. Despite who he was, despite what he had done, despite anything about him. And, and so he talks about it quite a few times. In, in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, look what it says here. Paul, in his prayers, he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power to grasp how wide and long and high is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. To grasp it, he said, this is Paul's prayer for for the Ephesian believers, that they would grasp it and that they would know it. That's what John is saying here in 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of the love the Father has given to you, to me. I, I think it's, I think it's a, a life-changing thing. Now we say, well, I don't know, you know if that's ever going to happen. I don't have it up on the screen, but the very next verse, anybody tell me what it is? You will, after I read it to you, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works where within us you see we think you know how, how can i possibly grasp that love to know that love he says that, he says god is able to do way more than you think way more than you ask according to that power that he, that that's at work within us that work that he's doing within you and with within me, and that's incredible, very, very incredible. So Paul says that's his prayer, and then in, in Romans chapter eight, the big treatise on faith, he talks about in grace. He talks about the fact that nothing can separate us from God's love. I want you to turn with me uh, back to Romans chapter eight and, and read it because I it was it was too much to put on the screen for you, and and uh, you can flip to it in your. Uh, phones and uh, Norman and I had a little discussion about using devices and devices are good I want you to know that I talk about having uh, paper uh, in front of you but devices I use them too probably half and half paper and devices and I get a lot of a lot of help with the devices or too I think I think the point is what are we using the devices for how much time are we spending on those devices doing other things. Not that it's wrong to use them for our Bible study and, and uh, even devotional life. Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 35. He said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm going to go slow because this is so powerful. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Can any of those things? He says, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. He's talking about death. And they were facing that. But verse 37, he says, no. No. Flat out, no. Shall trouble any of these things separate us from the love of Christ? No. In all these things, in them, he says, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation we will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Who shall separate us? What shall separate us? Can anything stop that love that he has for you? The enemy, the enemy you see, he, I think he jumps on this quite frequently, like, you know, how could God love you? Like, look at you. And God says, don't pay attention to him because he's the liar. He's the father of lies. Stand in my love, he says. My love for you will never go away. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter any any of these things that he talks about, either uh, in Romans or in Ephesians. Notice he says that that this is the love that, that he has given. God is a God of giving. He is, and he's giving you his love. And that's what grace is all about. Giving us what? What's the definition of grace? Giving us what we don't deserve. don't deserve, yeah. Giving us what we don't deserve. So he's giving us something we don't deserve, and that's what grace is. And that's what this, this love is all built on grace, you see. But I, I love uh, that word that the NIV uses. It says he lavished on us. He lavished, He kind of pours it out. is lavished on us. He's given it to us and, and, and just blessing us with this love, the love of a father, the love that the father has lavished on us. You know, he, he brings this in, uh, John does here. And I think it's something that, that uh, really moved him. And, and when we, we just got through studying the gospel of John, and, and how often did that idea of the father come in? In the Gospel of John, it was just like over and over and over again. Jesus talked about it over and over, and it, and it just came up so often. And, 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 and here it comes in, picture, the, the picture here, the love of a father. The love of a father. I'm going to stop there for a second. Why? Because for us as human beings, that isn't always so good, is it? Maybe, you know, our experiences haven't been that great, you know, the love of a father. What was your father like? Maybe you had the, the most incredible father in all the planet. Or maybe you had the worst father in all the planet. Or maybe you're kind of in between there somewhere. People are people, you know, men are men. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, you know, uh, we, we have, you know, been hurt. And some of us are so hurt that we never give the Father in heaven a chance to be that father. It's a sad situation. You know what? But I think we need to understand what God's Word says and and, and, and that there's a difference there. I think from from day one for me, uh, you know, my my father, my my biological father was no good. He was bad. Just plain bad. And, and but even as a child, there were some things I didn't know or I didn't understand. And so I still kind of, you know, was hurt by the fact that he wasn't there. But the truth of the matter is, it was better that he wasn't there because he was bad. But I found out a lot of these things later on. But it, it hurt. But, you know, when, when I found out about the, the father in heaven, you know, it looks it, it, like transformed my thinking. That I have I have a father. And he's a good, good father. And he will never let me down. And he will never leave. He will never forsake me. And he's always proud of me. His love will never stop. You see, you know, it's so important. Uh, Pastor Chuck said, you know, that, that this love we're talking about here is not just some impersonal force. It's the love of a father. And I think we, 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 you know, it's not just this love, God loves me, but no, He loves me like a father and, and, and He pours out this love and, and he, he makes me His child is what it says there, isn't it? That we should be called what? Children of God. He makes us His children. He, he's not just a father, He is my father, He's your father. Can you say that? I, you know, God is my father. God is my father, and, and, you know, it's this relationship. Again, we talk about a relationship. It's not a a religion. It's a relationship with God where he has made you his child. There's, there's, There's a powerful, you know, relationship, powerful picture there. And that, the NIV says, is what we are. It's what we are. You know, I, I think about this sometimes, and and one of the terms the the Bible uses about this is that we are adopted into the family, and and you know, for children who you know have really really rough uh, you know, growing up, and they end up in a in like a, a foster care system, but when they get adopted, there's something radical. It doesn't make it easy. They're you know they're they have all a lot of challenges and scars and and things to overcome, but you know there's still something that's taking place there that, that someone cared enough to take them into their family and adopt them as their very own. That's powerful. That's what God has done for you and for me. He's adopted us into the family. Romans chapter 8. Roman Again, Paul talks about that quite a bit too. He says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That's like Papa. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we also may be glorified together with Him. The Holy Spirit within us, it says He, he brings this out. And by him, by that spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. That is so sweet. You know, you and I in, in, our, in our relationship with, Jesus, with, with God, the Father through Jesus, we cry out, Abba, Father, Papa. I need your help. I, I, I need you here in my life. I, I, I want to follow you. I need you. The Holy Spirit is working in us to kind of bring that out. It says in in Galatians chapter 4 that that He has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So, He doesn't just save us. It's not just salvation, is it? It's not just the fact that He's rescued us, is it? It's the fact that He's made us family. He's made us sons and daughters. We're ransomed. We sang that in the new song. We're ransomed by our Father, that we might be sons and daughters. Now, I think I need to clarify this uh, for a moment. Does does that mean, and kind of this language is used a little bit that you know everybody on the planet is a child of God. You know, in in some sense, in maybe one sense. Uh, that's true in the, in the sense that God has created the whole planet. And God has created mankind. And, and God, in Psalm, Psalm 139, is, is even there in the creation in the womb of each individual. Uh, they, you know, the, the Spurgeon pointed this out as well, that it wasn't that God just you know, created man and woman and then uh, you know, we do the creating after that. But Psalm 139 says that he is actually there knitting together in the womb each and every individual life. That's why, uh, you know, abortion is so horrible, because God is working there, and we are, we are cutting that off. So God is working in, in every life on the planet, yes. And so in one sense, maybe you could say, yeah, we, are, you know, we, we all belong to God, but not everyone is a child of God in the sense that John's talking about right here. Right? Not everyone is a child of God. We, we kind of we use those phrases, in and in it's hard for me to hear when someone dies, and we, we, we just automatically say, Well, they're in a better place. Well, are they? I mean, how do you know that? This is how you know. This is the only way that you can know. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right or the power to become what? Children of God. That's the only way to become a child of God in the sense that we're looking at in this passage here today, this love that he's, that he's poured out because it's, it's all wrapped up around Jesus. And if we haven't received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we don't have that relationship. We don't have that access that he's talking about here. To as many as be received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the power to become children of God. So so the question is, have you done that? Have you received him? Have you believed in his name? That's why, that's why we use the language, and it's not wrong. You know, there's people that, you know, make, you know, uh, they make issues about everything. They say, you know, the you know, for people to say the prayer to receive Jesus Christ, well, that isn't the way it works, and that isn't how it happens. Well, that's what the the verse seems to say to me, that you and I need to receive Him, and 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 He wants to come into our lives and hearts, and you and I say yes, and we ask Him in, we receive something that He's giving, and we do that by believing in Him, we trusting Him, and, and we and it's not wrong to say, God, come into my life, I. I am a wretch. I am a sinner. Come into my life and save me and rescue me. And in doing that, that's where we become children of God. Pretty simple, isn't it? I think. If anyone acknowledges, look at chapter 4, 1 John 4, verse 15. And we're going to have communion here in just a minute. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. John talked about these things all the time and this love just kind of gripped him. Why? Because he knew that God is love. But he says this idea of not acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God, it's, that's where it's all found for you and for me. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You're not going to get there by some other path. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We'll, we, can talk, we can talk about that later, okay? Ephesians chapter 2, Paul said this, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. The cross, where he loved us. That verse again, behold what manner of love. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as, a, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins by grace, by grace that you have been saved. We're going to, again, celebrate communion here in just a moment, but let's just stop. Let's pray. I want to pray first, and then we'll have the ushers come and, and bring the communion while we're uh, singing together, and I want you to hold it uh, for out of that time. But this cross, the cross is where we we find out what love really is. It says that that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice, this love of God. He showed it at the cross. talks about it in the Gospel of John, greater love has no one than this, that what he laid down his life for his friends and that's what Jesus did, he laid down his life for you and for me. Greater love has no one than this. His love, we'll sing about it. His love ran red. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we stop and we think, we behold, we look, we stare at this love. The love that you had for us. For God so loved the world. You loved the whole world so much that you sent your one and only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Father, thank you so much. I pray, I know, I pray for myself that that I would truly grasp this, truly know this by your spirit that lives within me, that can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I would ask or even imagine. Change us, Lord. I pray you'd heal us. Some of us don't know what love is. We can't. We're hurt. We're wounded. We're messed up. Show us, Lord, what your love is really, really like. Work in us, Lord. Father, I pray too for any that that have never received you that today is a good day and as we as we uh, partake of communion that you could you could participate as one of his children simply by receiving by asking him in by acknowledging that he is the son of god that he died for you that he loves you and you can simply pray and say jesus i I receive you. I ask you into my life, my heart. Save me, Lord. Rescue me today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Let's have the ushers come and pass out the communion.